Transparency remains an issue for the private group behind Boston's bid for the 2024 Summer Olympics. That is, at least according to one Boston politician who spoke with Around the Rings on Friday. You're listening to the latest edition of ATR Radio. I'm Nicole Bennett. In an AP report this week, the United Independent Party, a group pushing for a ballot question barring any state spending on a potential 2024 Olympics in Boston, dismissed a state budget amendment as smoke and mirrors. The amendment, included by lawmakers in a compromised $38.1 billion spending plan, would require public hearings and legislative approval before taxpayers' money could be spent on the Olympics. Statewide support in Massachusetts for holding the Games in Boston appears to have increased slightly since organizers proposed a new plan last month. In the first poll conducted by WBUR since Boston 2024 presented its new proposal, 42% of voters in the state said they supported Boston's hosting the Olympics. 50% said they opposed it. Evan Falchuk, leader of the United Independent Party, said in a statement to the AP this week that allowing legislators to approve spending creates an Olympic-sized loophole. Falchuk, who ran for governor of Massachusetts last year, spoke with Around the Rings on Friday. He discussed the premise behind the UIP's proposed 2016 ballot question and recalled the surprise many Bostonians felt last January when the U.S. Olympic Committee chose Boston to bid for the 2024 Games. If we go back to the beginning of of this year when it was first announced for us here in Massachusetts that the USOC had picked Boston. Um, That came as a surprise to most people around here. There really was not much in the way of any kind of public engagement around the Olympics at all over the last year or so. And in fact, I ran for governor last year and this was just not a topic of discussion as part of that. And then all of a sudden in January, here's this really big deal going on. And, and it turns out that so many people in the, in the political realm were involved in this. And that put, you know, most of the public really on alert about what was going on. And um, the major issue that people have been concerned about is, are taxpayers going to pay for the Olympics? And the people from Boston 2024 have been telling uh, the public for for months. I mean, starting in in January, that they wanted a private, a privately funded Olympics, um, and that they weren't going to need money from taxpayers. And it was one of the things that was going to be different about what they were doing because it was tied to Agenda 2020, and just part of the overall uh, history of American Games is that that's the direction they go. But they wanted to have a new model, compact, walkable Olympics, and and you know that was inherent in what their proposal was. It turns out. Because most people listening to that didn't believe it. And then it turns out um, a couple months ago, people did a public records request and got portions of the bid book that hadn't been released to the public. And in that bid book, it said that they were looking for certainly hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer financing. Think about it from the perspective of an ordinary Massachusetts resident. People knew almost nothing about the fact that Boston had submitted a bid in the first place. And all of a sudden, there's a press conference, which, interestingly enough, was on the same day that the governor was inaugurated, in which there's the new governor standing next to the mayor in front of Boston 2024 logo, which no one had ever seen before, with all these happy people around um, at this press conference talking about how much of a big deal this is. And people are looking at that saying, I don't even understand what this is. What do you, what do you mean? Are, there, are the Olympics actually coming to Massachusetts? Who submitted a bid? What does this mean? Where did this come from? Who are, what is that logo? Who's behind this? You know, it was really amazing, actually. It was very surreal in a lot of ways.
That's been an issue for them from the start is people asking for more transparency in the process. And I know bid leaders have accounted for taxpayer money that would be spent on transportation and infrastructure. So is that a part of your ballot question? Do you account for that? Uh, transportation is, is allowed. We're not preventing any spending on transportation, even if it benefits the Olympics. So we, we just don't even want to, you know, you, you could say, oh, well, is this benefiting the Olympics and make that impossible? Or, but, you know, what we're saying is, look, even if something is constructed, a piece of transportation infrastructure that is 100% solely to benefit the Olympics, you could do that. So we're what what they're what the, the the real money from my perspective and what has been proposed for the Olympics that we're trying to block is the guarantee you know which is billions because you're talking about what they've proposed is over eight billion dollars to to run this and to build things and if taxpayers are guaranteeing that if there's a cost overrun anything like what the history of the Olympics has been involved with that's billions of dollars that the taxpayers would have to pay for. Um, if there's a revenue shortfall, like what happened in, in Vancouver when they were constructing the Olympic Village, you know, the taxpayers would have to pay for that. That's the thing that we want to avoid. And um, and then the other piece is that, as they've proposed in their newest version of the bid, and it was something that was part of their first version of the bid, is is a, a really enormous number uh, or dollar value of tax breaks to developers to develop the, the land. Um, where the uh, stadium would be built and, and some other things. And, and again, this is the kind of thing that we think should not be happening. And, and that's what we're trying to stop. I asked Falchuk if he's reached out to any of the Boston bid leaders, possibly Governor Baker, Mayor Walsh. He says, of course, he has. And he's even reached out to Steve Paglioka, head of Boston 2024. I reached out to him like a couple days or a day after he took the job. And I said, hey, Steve, got a lot of respect for you and your firm. You know, you know, we're working on this initiative. Love to talk to you, help you understand what it is we're doing. And you know, he said, "Yep, let's. That'd be good to meet." And it hasn't happened. You know, nothing's been set up. I mean, it's, you know, he, uh, and, and which is sort of strange. But it's been that's really been the nature of it. Is is the, you know, there's been um, I don't know if it's a lack of interest or. They, they don't seem real interested in sitting down and talking to us. And it may be because we're just, we, we don't have, we don't really have an agenda other than what we've said our agenda is. We're very transparent about what it is we're doing. We've released our language to the public and we've said what it's about. And they seem very interested in working the, the inside game with the legislature. So um, there was, in the House of Representatives in the state, um, there was a rep who took our ballot language because again we released it to the public and proposed it as a essentially as a bill and it got killed on a voice vote they didn't even have a recorded vote on it and then someone in the senate did the same thing and that also got voted down that actually got a recorded vote but it got voted down and in its place in the senate they voted unanimously for the provision that says what it says is we will not spend any taxpayer money on the olympics unless we vote to spend taxpayer money on the Olympics. And I, and I don't mean to be flip in describing it that way. I mean, that's exactly what it says. Um, you know, the, the way that legislatures work is that if they're going to appropriate money, they've got to vote to appropriate money. They passed a bill that said, we won't appropriate money for the Olympics unless we appropriate it. It's kind of meaningless. In fact, it's, it's very meaningless. Um, when the budget deal came out this week, which was why this was pertinent this week, it had in it that language, and someone, because it was reported this way, 
um, was positioning that to to um, to press as being a provision that barred the use of taxpayer money on the Olympics. It ain't a bar on the use of taxpayer money. It just it's just I don't know what it is. It's a it's a very odd fig leaf. Um, so that's you know when when you talk about bid leaders and whether they're talking with us, they're they're definitely talking to people in the legislature, and you know their team is very much made up of political consultants and other folks that have uh, influence over you know how these types of things happen, and you know and that's what you saw happen on on uh, on that particular provision. Last month, Boston leaders revealed this new revised bid plan, and since then. WBUR, which is the NPR affiliate in Boston, has conducted a poll, and it looks like public support has increased slightly. 42% of voters in the state said they do support Boston hosting the Olympics. Does that reflect what you kind of can gauge in Boston? What's the feel from, from people you've talked to? No, it's the feel is not good. You do not run into people with very warm feelings. I mean, look, there's we're this is a big sports city, so there's no question people like sports, and there's no question there's a lot of people that like the Olympics, and I like the Olympics. You know, I, I you know the the guy. So you can get a sense of this. The person the, there's an attorney that we're working with to draft our language, who's worked on a number of these things before. He's he's really a terrific attorney. He he's a self-described Olympics geek. So, you know, there's there's a lot of people that think the Olympics are a really awesome sporting event. And but the, the trouble is people are looking and they're saying, hmm, uh, we have a bunch of of highly connected big business groups that are pushing something on people that they don't want. And they seem to have the acquiescence of people in the legislature. And this is kind of a story that people have become familiar with in our in our country these days, which is that if you've got a, a big wallet and political connections, you can pretty much get done whatever you want. And if you don't, well, good luck to you. So the 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 mood among ordinary voters or just people across Massachusetts is like, here we go again. You know, this is a this isn't about the Olympics. This is about another one of these things where someone else is going to make a lot of money and if you don't if you know if you don't know the right people you're not going to make anything off of this either you'll just end up paying for it are you familiar with the olympic agenda 2020 reforms yep Yep. so that comes out it seems like a, a really good thing for the olympic movement and that's why we just kind of wondered why not la because one of the biggest pushes for olympic agenda 2020 was reusing venues and existing venues and it's just it's interesting yeah, I mean, you—it's very—it's—it's it's puzzling to watch the way these things operate. I mean, it's very non-transparent. There's something weird about the culture of the interaction that happens. I mean, I—I I don't really understand how the IOC works. Um, I certainly don't understand this. It's not a totally unfair comparison, but you know, FIFA, um, you know, going and saying, "Hey, we're going to have the World Cup in Qatar." Right. You know, when when folks in Europe are saying, boy, this seems a little bit corrupt, it's got to be pretty corrupt if Europeans are bummed out about it. So, you know, in the IOC, there's a there's a tinge of that and in, in the way it operates and with the, the people involved. And you see the stuff from Oslo with all the, you know, stuff about the seasonal fruit and people greeting people and the Olympic lanes. And there's a there's a there's a weird sort of aristocratic and um, secretive air about it, which again, when you try to glom that onto the United States, it, it's it doesn't fit with our not just our business culture, but just our general culture, and and certainly in a place like Massachusetts. So if you've got people that are princes or other 
you know, honorifics that the folks have that are that are part of the IOC, and they're saying, "Look, we're going to do good things for you." It's like, who, who, you, you don't even know who I am, and and why should I trust you? And so, yeah, when you if you do look at Agenda 2020, you would think this should go to LA, and but it's not. And why is that? Well, Boston's in the East Coast time zone, like Atlanta, and there's benefits if you're going to do a TV show that's in the East Coast time zone. You know, you you make more money. And I think that things like Agenda 2020 kind of fall by the wayside if it's like, yeah, but the top line revenue is going to be much better if we do this in the East Coast. And I, and I think they make a nod towards what they're trying to do with Agenda 2020 with the idea of the compact games and um, at least with their original bid, talking about using a lot of existing facilities and, and things like it. But, you know, it's, it's money. It's all money. That was Evan Falchuk, leader of the United Independent Party, the group pushing for a ballot question barring any state spending on a potential 2024 Olympics in Boston. Be sure to check into Around the Rings online on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm Nicole Bennett. Thanks for listening.